I'm Nyland, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League in New York City, and this is Hashtag Collaboration, a window into the unique magic that happens when artists come together around a special, singular idea. It's how masterpieces are made, a director and the extraordinary writers, designers, performers, and producers that share their vision. For more episodes, just visit dramaleague.org and click on Digital Series, or search for The Drama League wherever you find your podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe. The Drama League is a not-for-profit home for stage directors and the audiences who enjoy their work on stage, in films, on television, and across the internet. During the pandemic, we're providing essential services to help directors and their families who are suffering economic and health struggles due to COVID-19. If you'd like to join us in this effort, just visit dramaleague.org and click donate or become a member. We'd love to have you join as part of our Drama League family. Thanks for listening and now enjoy Hashtag Collaboration. I'm Estefania Fadul and I'm the director of Carlos Quince. I'm Galia Bacall and I'm the associate director. Hi, I'm Camila Perez-Santiago and I play Carla in Carlas Quince. Hi, my name's Christina Watanabe and I'm the designer collaborator for Carlos Quince. Well, it's so nice to have so many members of our team here today. Um, why don't we start off maybe with how long we've all known each other? Which I know for some of us has been a little longer than, than others. Um, but what, I, I can start. Uh, I'll start with Galia. I've, no, I've known Galia for, I think, about four years now, four or five years. Um, and we actually met through the Drama League, um, which brought us together very, uh, you know, it was fate. Um, and we've gotten to work together on a few projects now, which has been incredible. Um, and yeah, and here we are. Here we are. And I'll also just say for, uh, sorry, for Christina, um, we've also worked together on quite a few things. Yeah, since 2015, I was trying to remember when that was. Was it 2015, 2016? I guess in Octoroon was the first time, Octoroon. right? Yeah. So that was 2017. 2017, okay. It feels like it's been even longer. Yeah, because we've, we've gotten to work together a few times, so that's been nice. And Camila, um, do you guys want to chat a little about how you came onto the project? Yeah, I mean, I came on because Galia is a friend of mine and collaborator for, we went to college together. She's a year older than me, so we've known each other for a really long time. And she was telling me, I mean, she talked about Estefania constantly and how much she loved her and how much she loved her directing. So whenever she, she just said Estefania and I was on because I already knew she was so amazing. So that's kind of how I don't even remember when was that last year Galia yes I think so yeah right yeah yeah that would have been last year because we started the project in 2018 but that was very kind of tiny at that point actually at the drama league um with one of the uh rough draft residencies uh just to brainstorm a little bit and then over the course of last year um in 2019 our ensemble grew in beautiful ways and we had so many amazing people join from both people that I knew but then also like Camila people that people who were already on board knew and so I feel like it's become a really lovely group of people um that just kind of like you know from all different places and walks of walks of life so it's been really lovely so Carlos Quince um is an ensemble devised piece uh, to, with the goal of mobilizing more Latinx voters to the polls. 
And so it was created from this desire. A, just, well, for me on a purely artistic level, I was really excited to collaborate with an ensemble to pull together a piece from the ground up. Um, and then from a more political, civic engagement um, angle, uh, really wanting to dive into something that could uh, bring about some action, hopefully, and let people know who might not be fully aware of how to vote or why it's important to vote, to start having those conversations um, so that we can just really make our voices heard in the next election as Latinx people who actually have a lot of power in this next election. Um, and if you guys want to chat a little bit about the project, go for it. I, th I mean, one of the things that drew me into the project certainly was uh, back back in the early days of, of Carlos Quince, um, the idea that then the ensemble would go on tour to Florida, um, which is where I'm from. And um, election years in Florida are, uh, are always uh, stressful and nerve wracking. Um, and it's just the most important thing, you know, in all of that is that people just need to go out and vote. And the idea that this project makes it so accessible um, to give people the knowledge that they need um, in order to go to the polls with confidence um, to exercise their rights is, is a really important aspect. Yeah, and I would say to add to that, that one of the things that from our conversations and rehearsals with the ensemble, um, it was really important to us that not only were we creating a piece that had this goal of mobilizing more voters, but that also felt really kind of artistically fulfilling and exciting. And that was just like a a fun and welcoming experience for the audience. Um, and so, and even if it's audiences that maybe didn't traditionally go to theaters, like our goal was always to tour to places that were not um, kind of traditional theater spaces. And so the idea was that anyone could feel welcome, that it maybe felt like a familiar space. Um, and through all those conversations, we ended up landing on this idea of having it be a quinceañera, um, which is in, a lot of Latinx traditions, um, the 15th birthday party um, for young girls, kind of like coming of age um, traditionally. Um, and obviously now it's taken on many different forms as well. Um, but it just felt like, a, you know, we were inspired by an article about a lot of uh, girls who were having their quinceañeras in Texas um, and who were using them as voter registration drives. And that to us was incredibly exciting that, you know, people were making their voices heard in that way. And it's such like a family and friend moment and experience um, that it felt really nice for, for the theater experience as well. Um, I'm curious about what was exciting to each of you. I mean, Christine already talked about this a little bit, but what was exciting to each of you about joining the project? I mean, for me, as Camila said, essentially whatever Stefania does, I'm on board. But <laughs> other than that, there was, I think after the last election, there was a huge question in my household and just in the community of why did all these Latinx voters vote the way they did? And also why didn't, there was a huge population that didn't vote at all. So I think for me, it was just about personally answering these questions. Like what is the role we have as Latinx people now being um, I think we just officially became the largest minority in the country and questioning what our role is as Latinx people within the voting process. I also, you know, grew up with my dad who would tell me stories about my abuelito telling him that we have to vote 
Republican at all times because Democrats are very equivalent to the like dictators in Mexico and the dictators in Latin America. And that has always stuck to me as a question of, is this what we're passing on to our children? Is, are we giving them the information when they move to this country um, on how to vote, on what our vote stands for, on what to look for in the policies? And I think it was just a fun journey to figure out the answers to those questions. Yeah, I think for me, similarly to Galia, I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban, but I grew up in Puerto Rico. And, you know, in Puerto Rico, we're essentially a colony. And sometimes you feel like you don't really have any power over what happens to you. So when I moved to New York, it was an honor for me to, to vote and kind of have a voice. So it kind of came from that curiosity of you know, what are other Latinx people feeling when they move here? Obviously, everyone's experience is different. Um, and, you know, I have the privilege of being a citizen. But, yeah, I think it came from that. I'm also half Cuban, so a lot of my family in Florida votes in interesting ways and has conversations in interesting ways. So it was also kind of hard for me to approach those conversations sometimes because it's your family so you don't want to hurt them and you know it came from from a place of how do we have those con those difficult conversations in a space that feels welcoming and encouraging to vote it feels like what a lot of you're saying is also it reminds me of a lot of the conversations we had in the rehearsal process of kind of breaking down why people vote the way they vote um, which I think, you know, people vote for so many different reasons. Some of it, like Galia was saying, is like, it's kind of passed down. Like, you know, your parents always voted a certain way. So you feel you have to vote a certain way, maybe without having really done the research for yourself about how that's going to affect you or your communities. Um, and, you know, that's just like one reason why people vote that way. There's so many reasons why people vote the way they vote. Um, and I think for us, it became really important in our conversations that we were opening up discussion in a way that allowed people through the course of this piece to reflect on why they're actually making the voting decisions that they're making and what are the consequences of those votes um, for themselves, but also for their own like immediate communities, as well as speaking more generally other Latinx people in the US, which is obviously a very large, diverse group of folks. Um, and it's impossible to kind of categorize um, all Latinx people as like everyone would vote a certain way. Um, everyone has such different experiences, comes from such different backgrounds. Um, but it was interesting to think about how, you know, as a voting bloc that now has a lot of power, how are we also looking out for each other? And how are we thinking of voting as a, um, not, a not just an exercise in self-interest, but as interest for our larger communities. And so I think that just what you both are saying feels like such an important element to bring up about the piece that it really, I think, hopefully, um, allows each audience member as individuals to actually start reflecting on, you know, why do I make these choices? And like, have I done my research? Um, and go from there. Which is why, like, I think that, you know, like, our website is such an important part of the experience as well. Um, because you have so many people and it's, I think it's daunting. It's daunting for me um, to be able to, to look at all of the choices that we have to be able to understand the resources that I have, um, let alone for people who aren't, who English isn't their first language. Um, and so I think that's what's great about 
all of the strides that we've made to, to create everything bilingually um, so that people who, um, who aren't comfortable in speaking English, um, that they can just be able to get the information that they need. I, I love that you brought up topics and policies because I think that is such a huge part of our show. We really try to dive into the different sides of all these arguments, for lack of a better term. And I think, you know, it reminds me of early in the process, we interviewed a lot of Latinx voters just on how they make their decisions, where they get the information. And that's where we were finding, you know, remember specifically we interviewed someone who voted for a certain candidate, even though they had a lot of undocumented family members. And they didn't realize that although they agreed with the religious policies and other policies this candidate held up, they were actually voting against members of their own family in the way of undocumented rights. And I think that's when we realized, okay, this is a, a multi-layered thing we have to approach and we have to give enough information so that someone can sit there and say, these are all the things I'm looking for in a candidate or, you know, in a policy, an amendment, whatever we're asking for. How do I make sure that the, at least the majority of these things are being supported? Yeah, almost like stripping away the idea of party um, affiliation and actually just thinking about what are, what are those policies and how are they actually affecting us? Yeah, um, I would actually love to... Um, just something Christina mentioned, uh, which is the website. Um, and I just wanted to, maybe if we could all chat a little bit about how I feel like the website and a lot of other elements of the project came about with a big shift um, into the virtual parts of the piece when the pandemic happened. Um, like Christina mentioned before, originally we were going to tour the piece live to Florida, to community centers, um, you know, parks, churches, wherever. Um, and that you know, when the pandemic happened, uh, we realized that, you know, this is still a very urgent project. We still really wanted to reach um, the audiences that we were hoping to reach and have those conversations. And in a strange way, there was actually an opportunity um, in going virtual to actually have these conversations with a much wider audience because we would no longer be limited by geography. So with that switch to making this a virtual experience on Zoom, um, we also realized that there were so many other ways we could start making those connections with potential audiences um, much earlier on, even before the experience, uh, the actual live Zoom experience. Um, and a lot of that involves some kind of unique organizing within our ensemble to create a lot of the, you know, the website, the social media, the outreach, lots of different elements of this piece um, that are super important in addition to the actual experience uh, that the audience goes through live. And so I was curious because we all had a part in like very different elements of that. Um, and our ensemble was kind of divided up into groups, into little committees or teams. Um, if maybe each person, I think we have representatives from all the teams here. If maybe we could chat a little bit about what those teams were, how that organizing happened, and how each of those elements is being used to connect to communities and audiences. Maybe we could even, I wonder if we could start with the website, Christina, um, maybe just a little bit about the process of creating that. So for us, the, the website became a hub of information and will become a hub of information as, um, you know, as we're still uh, going, through, going through the production process for that. Um, and we talked a lot about like, okay, well, what do we want the website itself to say? Like, what is the voice of the website that we are communicating? Um, and tying that back into our production, we wanted it to be from, from Carla as a way for her to communicate with her guests. 
So look, there's a lot of content that is that is from Carla, um, writing it in her voice as much as possible, um, and also just making it so accessible for everybody. And I think just access is, is key um, in, in everything that we, we are hoping to do with this project um, to break down traditional barriers and even non-traditional barriers, because I feel like uh, being on the internet itself is, is a privilege that not everybody has. Um, and that alone has access barriers, but um, from from what we can do, making you know whether it's like making it mobile friendly, um, uh, getting in touch with libraries so that maybe the people who could visit libraries may be able to access the website also to get the information that they would need, um, no matter what state they're living in, to get the voter resources for that state, to get the deadlines, um, registration deadlines, um, voting dates, early voting dates. Um, uh, and even information on some of Carla's favorite topics as well, too, um, whether we're talking about healthcare, immigration, or climate change, um, all coming from from the from the heart of Carla to the guests. Um, and then we also have information about the production itself. So we don't want anyone to to actually think like like oh this is all really the work of, of a fifteen year old person named Carla that. Um, this is actually tied into this specific project that we have um, focused on. And then these are the goals of our project. These are the people who, the, the huge team of people that has created this project. Um, and that is still, that we're still working on. Yeah, and I would just add one thing to that, which is that I think that immersion quality of the piece, like that immersive um, element of like the audience going into Kanda's party was something that, you know, we talked a lot about, about a lot with the website as well um, in terms of, from the moment the audience has a kind of first contact with us through the website, um, they have the option of, you know, if they go into like the main part of the website, they're immersing themselves in Carla's world. Um, like Christina was saying, it's all like from the point of view of Carla. It's like her, like, you know, her, uh, it's almost like, you know, like those wedding websites that people have, <laughs> um, except for a quince, um, where, you know, guests can interact with a lot of like both fun things and just like voting information and things about Carla. Um, in addition to the, you know, just the kind of traditional show info. And so, yeah, I just wanted to um, spring up with that, like, immersive piece of it has been so key, I think, to all these conversations with the website and also with social media. Um, and maybe, Camila, if you want to talk a little bit about social media. Yeah, I think when we first had to adjust to a digital format, the conversation was, how do we, how do we make it immersive through Zoom? I'm like, Estefania was saying, and I felt like, Part of that was that social media gave us an opportunity to be able to, you know, bring people into the narrative even before they attend Carlas Quince. Get, you know, make people get to know the characters and their particularities, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and also an opportunity um, to talk about issues that Carla cares about. So what we've been doing recently is doing Instagram takeovers or Facebook takeovers. Um, the characters so it we started with Gaila being the voice of the Instagram and Facebook and now we've kind of turned it to the different characters that we have in the show like mostly her family members and her best friend um so that's been really fun just I think for myself finding a way to keep it fun but also informative and kind of have a good balance of the two to back back on that I think that was such a great and fun 
new look on immersive theater and or the immersive experience because now it became about not just the one time you're seeing the show but we talked early on about how you're a guest at the quince so if you're a guest at this quince you know this family you know Carla and so it was a great way of being like okay they can actually get to know these characters in advance so that when they get to the quince it's a much more intimate experience it's a much more exciting experience because you know now you know DJ Javi's favorite playlist and now you know how to make um, your mom Gabriela's chilaquiles and so like when they mention it in the show or when there's something that is so unique to their personality, you as an audience member now feel inside the joke. Like there's a new take on it, which I, I know we all were so excited about. To adding to all of that, I just think that how, like really, really just embracing this opportunity in Zoom to, and it feels in some ways, it almost feels like it's more immersive. You know, because of this pandemic, I've been through like graduation parties, birthdays. I saw two friends of mine get married over Zoom. Um, you know, it's like, this is our life now, whereas maybe like where, where we were going to have it in a traditional theater, people say, oh yeah, you know, I'm going, I'm going to take the train. I'm going to go to this location that is a theater and I'm going to do this immersive experience, but we're like, but it's still in a theater. Um, but now it's, I feel like it translates better to, I, you know, I'm at my desk where all of these real life things happen via Zoom and here I am watching this experience that feels every bit as much as real life as, as all of the other events that I've gone, that I've done through this platform. So that feels, it just, it's a, uh, it's a new way of communicating with your audiences in a way that feels that's so immersive um, uh, from, the, from step one. And I think what's also been really fun about, I think I'm the only representative from the outreach team here as well. Um, but also in thinking about, um, making those connections with potential audiences so that they can follow along with the website and the social media and eventually with the show. Um, one of the things that in our outreach team, one of the things that we've been doing is reaching out to schools um, that might be interested in partnering on the show um, in addition to traditional theaters um, and some other nonprofit organizations. But I think that in terms of the show in particular, but even, even in the social media, the way we've approached it and the website, um, we've, we realized through some research that our target audience really was younger Latinx voters, um, primarily late teens to early thirties, um, because that is actually a huge voting block. Um, and a lot of those folks, about two thirds of those folks are unregistered. Um, and I think that one of the things that you know, keeps coming up in this election with a lot of issues, like for example, climate change, which feels like a huge push on uh, on combating climate change is coming from the younger generation, um, in addition to some other issues, that there's just so much power for younger folks right now. And looking at the Latinx demographic in particular, that is even more true, um, just because the, you know, the majority of eligible Latinx voters are actually under the age of 34, which means that it's not only really important in this election, it's actually like, a long-term shift in the way that elections have the potential to be um, decided in this country. Um, and so I think for us, we've really been trying to connect with those younger audiences um, and are excited to be, we're going to be doing, you know, this experience with audiences at colleges, um, even high schools, even if they're a little bit younger than the voting age, 
um, it feels important to start these conversations now. Um, and in addition to that, uh, just with some partnerships with theaters, um, where we're able to present the show for some of their community partners as well. Um, so that's also been exciting in terms of connecting with folks in different ways. Um, but I was actually, I wanted to cycle back to something, Christina, because you have a very particular kind of role on this project as designer. And I think that design in particular is something that, you know, we know what theater design is pre-pandemic. Um, but could you maybe talk a little bit about the process of shifting into like Zoom design? Oh boy. Yeah. What an entirely different atmosphere. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll say that I think so far, like we're, I'm having a blast at least like figuring out all of these different things, but working with, with the performers, I mean, I, like I think acting is so like hard enough as it is um, when you're staring at a screen like this, but you're also your own tech crew um, as well. So it's like my heart goes out to everybody on this production and, um, you know, trying to help them as best I can. You know, we'll have workshops where it's like, okay, you know, grab this lamp that's here, but okay, move it a little bit more to the left. No, oh wait, too much. No, move it back. Oh wait, but my left, but hold on. Wait, turn off this other light. Um, so that, that to me is just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I've honestly had fun with it. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Camila can say whether or not it's tedious or, or, or terrifying or any of these other things, but it's been, it's been a joy for me um, to, to just to communicate design um, in a different way. And, you know, and, and all, of, all of the performers are so generous in opening their homes to us. You know, that's one thing that with, with all of these Zoom performances, it's like, well, you know, they, people live with other people who sometimes have to, have to walk into that room to grab something from, from the table or to use the kitchen um, or, you know, who knows, any, any of the other things that just happen in life. And so we have to, to respect it and, and acknowledge that. Um, but, but also, you know, how do we create these characters? How do we then transform um, the home of the performer to the home of the character? Um, so we've, we've been ordering things, you know, various devices and, and props to put in backgrounds. Um, you know, how do, we, how do we make surprises happen in the Zoom, you know, in this, this one camera shot of the Zoom life? Um, and I think there are just so many moments of delight, not, not design-wise, but just like as a whole in this, in this production that's been really, really fulfilling to be a part of. Um, but yeah, just, it's just, it's been fun and, and surprising uh, every step of the way. It's been so interesting for me as an actor, like it's been, it's been really fun to, I got a big box of things that I know Christina and Estefania and Galia have been talking about, you know, like I got, I got essentially a kit for the design of the show which was so cool. And then I got to create that in my home. And of course, I've had to learn a lot of patience and understanding with myself that I'm not a professional lighting designer or something like that. So it's been really great to have Christina and Estefania to kind of direct me in a way. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really nervous at first and definitely frustrated 
in the beginning when I couldn't get something right or when we were stuck for 20 minutes just trying to figure out how I'm supposed to format my face and the, you know, the amount of space I'm supposed to leave between my head and the borders. I don't know. But I feel much better now. <laughs> and it is like, I, I have such deep appreciation for everybody in the company of like how generous and patient you all are because that it's, it is not, is no easy task. So it, it feels like we're, it feels like I'm part of this historic moment where we're, we, we are, we're reimagining theater to be accessible. So that's really exciting for me. Right. Because, at, you know, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not making a movie. So it's like, how do we use this virtual screen format to tell our story in a theatrical way? So I think, um, Camila, you were just saying something about this feels like a moment when, you know, theater artists in general, I would say, are exploring and rediscovering what this form can be in the now. And I do think that that's something that is our job in a way as artists is to respond to the now, whether that means in terms of content, but also in terms of form. Um, and so in terms of the future of this piece, um, I think, you know, we've, we've, obviously from the beginning the kind of goal was to get to this election you know like have this conversation for this election I think for me as these conversations have developed in rehearsal um I think I've come to realize that this project is about much more than just this election it feels like it's actually about civic engagement in general um and so I know for me I've been thinking a lot about what that means post-election in terms of the future of this piece but I'd be curious just from all of you, like any, any hopes, any hopes for this or what would, yeah, what would the kind of ideal be after the election for you all with this project? I think that Mila kind of hit it on the head with accessibility. I, you know, this piece is definition accessible, not just in terms of those who want more theater around the country, but also those who've never experienced theater. I think it's one of the things that really excites me is being able to bring an immersive theater experience to someone who's never seen a play, a musical, what have you, have maybe not even had interest because they just have never been introduced to it. So beyond the election, I'm excited that this is a catalyst that can be taken and used again and again. It's also, we built it up to be sneakily educational, I will say. Like, I think that's one of the reasons we made it a quince was because we wanted to teach people in a way they didn't feel like we were teaching them, but that we're giving them the tools in this fun party, but you're getting to know these people. And I think because of that catalyst, because of the way we, we structured it, you can reuse that. You can continue having conversations on immigration, healthcare, climate change. I don't think those conversations will ever end. Um, and people can take that on in different ways, whether that be theater companies, but I also see universities using this even using it as a way to be connected with alumni or students after they graduate because anyone can you know sit on or mostly most people can get on a zoom and be a part of this experience as an actor no matter what city you're in and i think that's an opportunity that hasn't been utilized yet so that's exciting just one quick thing for me the big metaphor of the piece is that it is not just a zoom play it's an interactive experience so it forces the audience members to become a part of it and that's kind of what we're asking everyone who sees this to think about um, when it comes to elections and and civic 
um, responsibility, if you'd like to call it that way, is that we do have the power to be a part of everything. It's not, we're not just spectators watching the world unfold. We can actually do something about it. And these people were voting on work for us, so. Right, and like maybe nobody's ever been like invited to vote before. So it's also like, we are inviting you to vote. We are inviting you to register. Like we are welcoming you and we are excited for you to be a participant in not only this project, but in democracy. Yeah, I mean, I think something that, you know, has also developed into a big conversation in the piece is the idea that voting goes beyond just voting for the president, um, which is something that, you know, I think obviously that's like the big position that we hear about and that's kind of what, you know, and, and that position does hold a lot of power, but the reality is the way that our system is set up in this country, it's actually, you know, that's one, branch of government, right? And so I think that we've been really inspired in thinking about uh, that kind of engagement and doing the research for the piece, just like how much change can happen on a local level when community members get involved. And so I think for us, it's also, it's not just, um, you know, make sure you vote for president and, you know, the world, you know, everything's going to change in the way you want it to. Um, I think it's very much about like what kind of change, what do you, what would you like for your communities and then how can you use your vote to make that happen in your communities? And that's a big conversation in the piece um, that I think, you know, goes so far beyond just every four years of presidential election. It goes into midterms, it goes into local elections. Um, and I think, you know, like Galia was saying, it feels like there's an opportunity to then continue those conversations in lots of different ways, um, not just, you know, four years from now, uh, you know, in 2024, when the next election happens. Um, and I'll also just say that I think that the way the piece has been formatted, um, because we always knew when we started creating the structure that the quote unquote issues that we're talking about in the piece might change, you know, within a month, it might be, you know, policies might be in a different place within a year from when, you know, we were creating it last year to when the election is actually happening. We always knew that the the specifics and particulars of the issues had the very real possibility to change. And so as a result, there's a flexibility to the piece in terms of um, the overall structure is the structure of this quince and the overall kind of story arc is about voting. But when it comes to the specifics of specific issues that we talk about, um, there is actually flexibility in terms of writing new scenes for those and like slipping them in you know it's a very the audience follows different tracks and so there's already kind of a very flexible um interactive quality to this that i i think you know i would love for this to be something that maybe someone else picks up in their own communities and they write their own scenes to fill in that are based on issues that are particular to their communities i think that'd be super exciting and fun thank you all so much for this conversation it was so lovely to, to spend this time with you not that we don't spend enough time together. Yeah, thanks to the Drama League for hosting us. And if you want to keep following our fun and exciting journey, just follow us on social media, get to know some characters, where our handle is The Voting Project on Instagram, and then on Facebook, our page is Carlas Quince. And then if you want to sign up for our newsletter, Christina, do you want to give the deets? Sure, you can visit carlasquince.com um, to sign up and to RSVP to the party, the fun party. Um, and then there's also a little donate button on the website too, if, 
if you're able to do that. And I will say to that, that all the performances are free for audiences. Um, and so when you RSVP for performances on our website, it's all free. Um, and uh, we will be having some performance dates up there soon. A lot of our performances are directly in partnership with schools, like I mentioned, um, or even theater companies for their particular um, audiences. But we will be having some that are more open to the public. And we would love, love, love to have you there and to celebrate Carla. And if you're a part of a school or organization that wants to create a specific show with us, send out a contact us on our website. We can work with you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.